0: Why? Our desire is that uh, this won't just be your first-time visit, but that you will make the decision to make Downey First Christian Church uh, your church home, and we're so glad that you're here uh, with us. And uh, also, if you've been coming for a while, and I say this every Sunday, um, or most Sundays, is that we're Christ's ambassadors in the places where we see people during the week. So just bring them to church. Invite them to church. Uh, Invite them to a Sunday service, and they'll uh, be able to come here uh, with you, and hopefully the message will be helpful to them, and they'll also make the decision to make uh, this church their church home. Something I want to, uh, to remind you is something that we've been talking about for the past uh, few weeks and is the fact that we are uh, launching growth groups uh, January 26th of next year. I know that's, um, you know, we've been talking about it and it seems like it's really far away, but it's not. It's not. It's going to creep up on us and it's going to be a good thing. But the reason why I'm mentioning that today is because we have our growth group leadership training next Sunday at 4:30 in the cafe. So, if you if you want to lead a group, if you're interested in leading a group, or you would like to uh, coordinate a group, or you would like to be a host of a group. Come to the uh, training that's going to happen again next Sunday at 4.30 in the cafe. Now, what is a leader? A leader of a group is the person that is in charge uh, of leading the discussion within a growth group. Uh, the coordinator is the person who's in charge of all the logis- logistics and kind of uh, helping out the leader. And the host is the person that just opens up their house to have a group. So if you're interested, and now we're praying to have a, a good amount of groups as we launch. If you're interested, please come uh, to that leadership meeting that starts next sunday at 4 30. sound good you guys excited are you excited as i am excited not that much okay but you are excited which is important which is important all right, so I'm going to start off with a parable today, and it's a, you, you'll find it in Matthew uh, chapter 25, and, and a parable is, uh, I'll, we'll define it like a, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. An earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So we're going to go into this parable, and if you haven't done your Bible reading for the day, this will be your Bi- Bible reading for today because it's kind of a long story, but pay attention because this is very, very important. This is Jesus talking. Listen to this. Again, it says it will be it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them to the one he gave 5 bags of gold to another 2 bags and to another 1 bag each according to his ability then he went on his journey the man who had received 5 bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained 5 bags more so also the one with 2 bags of gold gained 2 more But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. The man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man. So he's giving excuses. Harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered. Well then... You should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest." So take the bag of gold from him and give it to, one, to, to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where they will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you, Lord, for the, the moments that we share together at church, we thank you, Lord, because you are such a good God. You love us, you take care of us, and you have a message for us this morning. I pray, Lord, what I've prayed during the week and I pray today that I will be a vessel of your word, that you will do this morning what only you can do, that you will allow for me to just bring clarity to your word. And that the result of this will be life transformation. I also pray, pray, Lord, for for our hearts to be open to to receive this word and to allow it to transform us, God. I pray also that we will be able to take this moment and just sort of forget about the week, forget about what's going to happen tomorrow, and just take these few moments to be able to hear your word and be able to discover what it is that you have for us. We pray this and we thank you. And all God's people said... Amen. Amen. God bless you. So we're continuing a, a series called Under Pressure, and it, is, and it is based off of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8, that says, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Have you ever felt that way? Like, like life is, is, is sort of like pressing you. You've got stress. You've got bills. You've got other people's expectation. And you feel just like that egg that is being pressed and, pressed and pressed and pressed and pressed. And you're about to break. Have you ever felt that way? So that's what we've been talking about throughout this series. Last week we talked about time and priorities. And we talked about this whole idea that we've got all these little, little sort of um, pebbles versus big rocks. And so we've got all these these pebbles that, that we're filling our life with, and we're so full of things that are secondary that have nothing to do with the calling that God has placed on our life. We fill our lives up with things that are secondary, and then we have no room for the important things that God has Placed before us, And we talked about that we need to renew our minds and think that in a different way so we won't be uh, with the patterns of this world, the expectations of this world, but that we will establish the expectations of God and live with the priorities center stage. So we talked about that last week. And this week, today, we're going to talk about the trap, listen to this, the trap of comparison. The trap of comparison. And I want to start off with a, with a story. So I don't know if you guys know this or not about me, but I, I started playing drums when I was about 13 years old. And uh, it's, it's my passion. I love drumming. It's my happy place. Uh, there's, a, there's a place that I go play drums at once a month that's going to be actually tonight, so I'm very excited about it. I love playing drums. I started playing when I was 13, and then um, I, uh, so I, I started playing drums. I got my first drum set at 13, and then I started uh, playing with a band. And as time progressed, uh, we recorded our first album, Then we recorded our second album and then we had uh, a music video and then we had another music video and this is all happening in south america by the way um in in chile so and i was it was a long time ago and so we uh when i was about 18 years old we did our first kind of like a uh tour of the country and then we had a car bad a really bad car accident uh our tour bus i like to call it a tour bus but it was actually a tour van Uh, we crashed and then that's that kind of put an end to the band But as I was learning to to play drums and I was doing this thing with a band and we were moving forward, there was this other guy who was about my age and he didn't have a drum set and he would ask if he could borrow my drum sticks so he could learn. And sometimes he would borrow my cymbals and so he could learn. And so he kind of did the same thing, ran parallel to what I was doing. He also got a band. He also started recording albums. And to this day, he is touring the world with his band. Now, I'm not jealous, But there's something in my mind, and I promise you I've made my peace with this, there's something in my mind that that messes with me saying, that guy is living my dream. Why does he get to do that and I don't? What does he have that qualifies him to do what he does and disqualifies me to do what I thought back then was what God wanted me to do? Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like like there's someone in your life that you look at and you say, man, I have worked just as hard as he, and look where he's at. Or, or, or they did less than me, and they have so much more. They don't deserve that. I deserve it. Maybe they have a better family. Maybe they're better off financially. Maybe they get to do trips that you only dream of doing. Why them and not me? And social media just ramps this whole thing up. Because back in the day, before social media, pre-social media, there was comparison, but you would compare yourselves with the people that were in your circle or in your industry, right? But now you're not comparing yourself just with the people that you know, you're comparing yourself with millions of people. And so this just makes it worse. Now my wife, when she'll see, uh, sometimes she'll show me me some pictures on the internet. She's like, look at them, they look so happy. And I'm like, everyone smiles for a photo. (laughs) So we're comparing, and I've said this before, we're comparing everyone else's highlight reel with our regular day-to-day life. And we're comparing ourselves, and we feel bad about ourselves because we can't do what other people do. But here's the other side of it. There's a darker side of it, a side that we feel uncomfortable even admitting, and I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand, but like, there's the other side where you see someone who is maybe doing a little bit better than you, and something happens, and they start going downhill, and they're doing less than you, and there's something very dark in the heart of the human that's a little bit happy. So there's two sides to it. But comparison is a trap that will leave you empty. It will always leave you empty. I was reading a study this week that talks about the whole idea that 7% of Americans have, have had an issue in the last 12 months, a serious uh, panic attack or some sort of a um, depression uh, moment, like, like serious depression moment where they've had to have some sort of, sort of intervention. That's 7%. That means that at least 10 people in this room have suffered from that. And the other thing that was interesting about, about that study is that there is a direct correlation between the amount of episodes of panic attacks that people have and the amount of consumption that the person has from social media. And it's very interesting because it is possible, now I'm not a professional and I'm just saying what I read, that, that, that just you not consuming social media in the quantity that you're consuming social media may end your depression automatically. And so I was so convicted about this this week and. Uh, The week before last, as a staff, we went on a conference, we went to a conference, and there was a speaker, and the speaker said something that that just stuck with me. He said this, a church that doesn't pray will not hear from God. It's that simple. And that stuck with me, because I've been thinking about this whole idea, and I'm going to go on a little rabbit trail here, uh, this whole idea about prayer. And I've been talking about we're going to do 21 days of prayer in January. And I was talking about the whole idea that I'm going to do this prayer and I'm going to do like a, like, a, like a cleanse and I'm going to eat healthy, you know, for 21 days. And I was sort of inviting anyone who wants to do that can participate with that with me. But I just got convicted about this and I, and I got convicted about prayer. And I just want to invite everyone to do it. I want this to be a church thing. We'll, we're going to start January 5th and we're going to end on January 26th. It's 21 days of fasting and prayer. Now we're going to eat. But we're going to eat very clean and very healthy. And if you have uh, uh, health issues, well, just don't participate. I don't want for you guys to get sick. But the one thing that I do want us to do is I want us to be off of social media for 21 days. Just off of it. I think, honestly, honestly, and I see some people looking at me like, that. I don't know if that's possible. Can we do this? Can we really do this? Some people are getting anxiety right now just by the thought of it. You know, where's my phone, right? But, it's, but I think that, this, that we will be blessed as a result of this. I really, really do. We don't need it. So anyway, that's that. Um, but comparison, comparison, right? Comparison is a trap because there will always be someone younger than you and someone older. There will always be someone better looking than you or not as good looking. There will always be someone more successful, smarter, better family, better edu- education. You see, comparison is a trap that will leave you empty, you see, the parable that I read at the beginning is really just a reality check. Because some people got five bags of gold, others have two bags of gold, and the other had one bag of gold. And, and the thing that we get trapped in, even as we read this parable, is to think that, this, that we get focused on the, the, the inequality of the distribution of the blessing. We're thinking, well, why did that guy get five and that guy got one? Why? And so we miss the point when we think that way. Immediately we go to that, and we think about that, and maybe we think about our circle, and we think about people who have more than us, and we're like, why? And then someone who has less than you, and you're like, oh, I guess I'm not doing that bad. But all of that is a trap. You see, God distributes how he wishes, and the sooner we make our peace with that, the better off we will be. You see, Job 2.21 says, he gives and takes away. We're not gonna, we don't have these scriptures, but Isaiah 55 says, his ways are higher. We have the parable of the, of the vineyard where the guy who worked one hour got just as much money as the, guy, the people that worked 10 hours. First will be last, and last will be first. God distributes how he wishes. This is very important for us to understand. Because you might be here, and you might be a five-bagger. Like, you're a five-bagger. Or maybe you're here and you're a two-bagger. Maybe here and you're a one-bagger, right? I don't know where you, how you see yourself, but that's not even the point. You see, the point is not what you have been given. The point is, what do you do with what you have been given? This is so important for us to understand because it is all relative. Like, I'll hang out with some people and I feel like a five-bagger. Like, I'm a five-bagger here, right? <laughs> But then I'll hang out on the same day with a different group of people, and I'm like, I'm, a lit- I'm like a one-bagger. Like, I'm a zero-bagger compared to these guys. You see, it's all, it's all relative. But when we get caught up in the comparison, we miss the point, and we waste our time. It's the mistake that the one-bagger made. The guy with one bag of gold made the mistake, and it is possible that he wasted his time thinking, why did that guy get two bags? What does that guy have that I don't have? I mean, look at him. He's 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 got all the talents that I have. However, he got two and I got one. And what happened in this time period? He buried what he had. He wasted his time, and he had nothing to show. Then there's the two bagger. What did the two bagger do? He could have he could have gotten caught up in the same mess. In fact, I would say that the two-bagger was more justified to be mad because he didn't have five bags. Now, the one-bagger, the difference between the one-bagger and the two-bagger is one bag, but the difference between the two-bagger and the five-bagger is three bags. So he could have gotten caught up in the same thing. as, like, why did he get five and I got two? Like, what, does he have? What, is, what qualifies him to have five and me only two? No, what did he do? He didn't worry about the five. He didn't worry about the one. He got busy using what God gave him. The same, brothers and sisters, should be true for us. He just went to work and got rewarded. Excuse me. So maybe you're here. Listen to this, please. Maybe you're here, and you have been wasting your time wondering why others have what should be yours. Which brings me to this verse, Hebrews 12.1. Hebrews 12.1 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of waves, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I love that verse. I love that verse so much because it inspires me to move forward. There's going to be obstacles. I'm going to work out these obstacles. I'm going to pray. I'm going to fall. I'm going to get up. I'm looking to Jesus. I'm trying to get better. I love this. It gives me pumped up. But the thing that is interesting about the verse is that it says, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Now, when I think about that, about the race marked out for us, I wonder if it is possible that we are getting confused and we're not running the race marked out for us. We're trying to run another person's race that was marked out for him. And in the midst of trying to, to, oh man, why don't I have that? Why don't I have that? We waste our life trying to do what others have been called to do. Now, I say this very respectfully, but this is very important. If you're here and you have someone in your circle that you believe has a job that should be yours or has has been given an opportunity that should be yours or has been given a promotion that should have been yours or is even in a ministry that you believe should be yours, you need to repent. And here's why. Because in essence, what you are saying is God made a mistake. And in the midst of all that, what happens? You're wasting your life focusing on the five-bagger when you have been given what you have been given. This is so important. We have each, we, each of us have been given gifts. God created us on purpose and for a purpose. If you're not dead, God is not done. I believe all of these, th- these things. But we can miss what we could, we could have been actually called to do if we keep comparing ourselves to others, this is so important. Now, here's the question that I want to ask you. The question I ask myself is, how do you know? How do you know if, you, if you're running someone else's race? How do you know if you're just focusing on, on, on a race that has not been marked out for you? How do you know? Well, running someone else's race will drain you. It will drain you. You will be left depleted, unmotivated, and hopeless. If you're running a race that has been marked out by God for you, you will be energized. It's work. It is hard work, but it will energize you. Why? Because God is walking with you. He's doing it with you. Matthew 11, this is one of my favorite verses. We've said said this verse a lot of times, and it says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. It says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find what? You will find rest for your soul with the burden that God has put on us. Someone asked me last week, pastor, he says, pastor, I don't know how you do your job. Like your job is way, way, like your job is so hard. Like how do you carry the burden of an entire church who every single person has a different problem that they're dealing with? And I kind of felt bad because I, I told him, I don't. I don't carry it. Like, I'm not saying it's easy to not carry it. I mean, it's easy to fall into the, he- the, to the heavy weight. But, like, if I'm counseling someone or I'm listening to their problem, I'm saying I, I'm, pre- I'm fully present in the moment. I'm listening. I'm giving to them what the Bible says. I'm praying for them. I'm telling them my experience. And then I'm walking away because I know that God, God's got it. Like, he's got it. So we, honestly, we don't, I was telling, we had a staff uh, meeting yesterday, I was telling my staff this, you guys understand that we don't do any of the work. Like, like God's the one that calls, he's the one that saves, and he's the one that gives growth. We provide the environment, and we try to take out all the noise for God to do his work. And so that's why I know that I am on, on the path that has been laid out from, uh, from God for me, because it's, a, it's, a, it's not a heavy burden, because I know that God is doing His work. You see? Sorry, I have a little bit of a cold. May be driving some of you crazy. I know it's driving me crazy. So listen to this. Listen to this. If you are striving, I'm not talking about work because life is work. But if you are striving, if you are stressed and you are and you are carrying this heavy burden that you feel like you can't carry, it is possible that you might be running a race that is not marked out for you. It's possible. We spoke last week about flow and we talked about there's a time for everything and there is this, this tempo and there's this cadence that God invites us to be a part of in, in the way that we live our life. And Jesus invites us to look at nature in Matthew 6, 28. We don't have that verse, but I'm going I'm to reference it. Matthew six twenty eight. he talks about the birds and the flowers and there's this natural flow that we are invited to be a part of. And so what I want for each one of you is to be able to enter this joy. And I want this for myself, too, because this is not every day. Sometimes I'm really not feeling it. But that we will enter this joy and this calling. But this is the most important thing. For us to be able to enter this joy and enter this calling and enter the thing that God has for us and this, this path that is designed for us, it has to come from a place of contentment. It has to. It has to. First uh, Timothy 6, 6 says this. It's very important verse. says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. What, it, what, is, what is contentment? Contentment, in my opinion, is the antidote to comparison. Like, like, you can't be comparing yourself with others and at the same time be content. You can't be running someone else's race or focusing on someone else's race and be content at the same time. We need to come to a place of contentment. And now, what is contentment? What does it mean to be content? It's like, well, I'm good. Like, I'm good. I mean, li- life can go good. Life can go bad. You know, of course, these things are going to affect me. But in, in essence, I'm fine. Like, I know. We're just singing about that. You know, we know how the story ends. We know. That should give us contentment. In the midst of all the problems, we're like, okay, fine. But I'm good. I'm es- essentially, I'm good. Philippians 1.21 says this. This is the Apostle Paul saying an amazing phrase. For me, it says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Hey, I could die. Great. I'll be with God forever. And if I stay here, I'm still good. I'll just preach the gospel. He's in a place of contentment. James 4, 14 says this, why you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. It's a mist. It's here and then it's gone that's your life. So this body is perishing. Like, it's going to work. We're going to be out of here pretty soon. I mean, that's the real truth. We'll be out of here pretty soon. We have to be okay with that. This life is, is just passing. It's going to go, and that should give us contentment, understanding that, yeah, things can go bad, but it's not that bad because at the end of the day, we know how the story ends. 2 Corinthians 5, 1 says something along, along the same lines. It says, For we know that, that the earthly tent, he's talking about our bodies, uh, we live in is destroyed. We have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. This is all fading. We have a better place that we are headed toward, and when we focus on that, we come to a place of contentment. To where we know we're okay. We're going to be fine. The best is yet to come. Second Corinthians, four, eighteen says this, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So we focus on the eternal and we understand we're fine. Like essentially we're fine. The five bagger can do great. The one on the bottom can, you know, whatever. And we move forward and we understand that life is going to be fine. This is so important. Someone said once to me, he says, don't unpack here. We haven't arrived yet. We're on our way. We're on our way. And while we're here, we have everything we need. We have everything we need. So my prayer for you today is that you find contentment. My prayer for myself today is that I find contentment, that you find your true calling, your purpose, happiness, peace, fulfillment, and this will not come as a result of comparison. That is a trap. It has to come from a place of contentment. But listen to this. And I'm going to close with this. Our eyes need to be open to this. Because I believe this is not something that we can make happen for ourselves. We have it's something that god needs to do in our heart. We have to understand it on a soul level, not on a mind level. And this is so important. It's not at the level of information, it's not at the level of data, but on a spirit level. I believe this is what paul was saying in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18. This is very interesting and very important. It says this. I pray, he's praying for his church. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Now, you don't have to study anatomy to understand that, that the eyes, that the heart doesn't have eyes, right? What is he saying? What is he saying? He says, I want you to get this. I want you to understand this at a soul level. It's so when Jesus talks about eyes to, to see and ears to hear, that we'll get it. Like, well, we're like, okay, like, everything's going to be fine because God is with us and I'm with God This life is perishing. I have the essential thing. I don't have to compare myself to anyone. There's a path that's set out for me. I'm going to walk that path. You'll walk your path. He'll walk his path. I'm good. I'm with God. And this connection with God never ends. It starts on this side of eternity and it continues on the other side of eternity. I'm fine. I'm content. But the the eyes of our hearts need to be open to be able to really get this and for it to transform us from the inside out. Let me uh, finish with the the Eugene P- Peterson version of, of, of Matthew 18, uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. This is, um, he, he wrote a version of the Bible um, in, a, in, a, in a translation that is more like when you're translating, but like when you're interpreting in the moment. Like there's the person talking here and you're interpreting. So it's a, it's a different version, but I love the way he writes it. It says this. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned down on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Jesus is saying, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. This is what we're called to live in. So this is what, what we want no more comparison run the race laid out for you not someone else's come to a place of contentment learn the unforced rhythms of grace let's close our eyes here for a moment as we close this is a moment for you I want you to think about everything that you've heard in the last few minutes and I want you to think about how this applies to you I want you to think about what it is that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now This is the moment when we allow for God to do what only he can do. Because you may be here and you may be feeling so much pressure that you feel like it is absolutely unmanageable. You may be looking around your life and all you see is an unfair distribution of, of blessings. Maybe you're thinking she's got what is supposed to be mine or he's got what was supposed to be for me. And now you feel like you may be caught running a race that is not really yours. It doesn't feel right. It feels forced. It doesn't feel like a flow. It feels like it's forced, like your life is forced. And you need help being content. You need help knowing that you have everything that you need right now. You need for your, the eyes of your heart to be open, and you need God to, to intervene in your life. If that is you, I just pray that you'll, you'll just raise your hand. No one looking around, just raise your hand. I'm just, just going to pray for you. Amen. 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 I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you right now. Lord God, I just want to thank you for the hands that were raised, and I want to thank you, Lord, for the openness to understand that, co- that comparison is a trap. I pray, God, that we'll understand that you you have called us, and if we're not dead, that you're not done, that you have a purpose for us in this life. But I pray, Lord, that we'll come to a place of contentment, understanding that we already have everything right now. And that that will break the power of comparison in our lives, Lord. I pray, Lord, especially for the hands that were raised, that you will intervene in their lives, that you will do what only you can do, that you'll bring them to a place of contentment, and that their soul will be at rest. I pray for this, for the people who rose their hands, and I pray for us as well. Um, who have been just listening and sort of carrying uh, this message, Lord. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray.